Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod no mai, Heidi mai and... Boy, did the All Blacks and the Black Ferns struggle on the weekend. So much to talk about, so much to dissect. New Zealand rugby isn't the place that you would expect it to be on an end-of-year tour with two teams that generally go away, get their wins and come home. Certainly not in that position right now. I'm Ross Carl, joined by James Parsons, former Blues and All Blacks hooker, and also Bryn Hall, Māori All Blacks and Crusaders halfback. And boys, it's been a tough weekend and... I suppose the biggest question, let's go right to the front of this. When we look back through the season and look at the context of this loss and the way that they lost to Ireland physically, the way that they struggled to get ball, the way they didn't work at the breakdown. When you look at it, the way they did that against Fiji, the way they did that against South Africa, this trend is alarming. And Jipper, does it worry you? Uh, no, I don't think it worries me because when we've seen the, the All Blacks get it right, They've been unstoppable this year, and I think there's been uh, moments uh, throughout the season where we've spoken in depth how clinical the All Blacks breakdown's been and their clean-out to provide that front football for guys like Bodie and Co to, to take advantage of. I, I think the one thing people forget is it's not that they can't, uh, I suppose, deliver that physical presence um, up front. It's when you're making that amount of tackles and you're on defence for long periods. I mean, they still tackled at 92%, and they tackled over 200 times. Like Some of their physical um, prowess was pretty impressive uh, on the flip side of the way they held them out and the fact they went into halftime ahead. Like, man, that was some resilient D. But that empties your tank. We've, we've seen it time and time again. That you can hold on, hold on, hold on. But as Ireland had all the ball, they had territory, they played a lot of footy in their half, um, and because they hadn't had so much of that any energy sapping D, when they ran onto the ball, they ran with that presence and that physical prowess that it looks like they can do it and we can't. But it's, man, the amount of tackles, like, oh, I don't even know how many Dalton Papali'i made, but he was a man possessed. So there, that is something like to consider because of all that defence, we didn't really allow ourselves to be able to physically dominate up front because... You only have so much um, gas in the chamber, I suppose. That in itself is concerning, though, Bryn, isn't it? You know, whether it's drop ball or misdirected kicks, um, they're not keeping the ball. Yeah, they're not. But I think at the same time, um, you know, when you make 158 tackles in, in the first half, um, you know, if, if we look around our attack and not having many opportunities, you know, the one opportunity that we really did have was Will Jordan's one in the 
in the 61st minute because the way the with line speed pressure we talk around phase play attack and being able to find the space to try and beat that line speed attack and if you look at the setup with when Richie gives it to Davey and he gives that long ball there weren't too many times that the All Blacks on phase play ship was set up like that to be able to try and get that bridge pass or have options around that and so when you see Davey give that pass you see the wing I think it's James Lowe in that instance has to make a read and we talk around phase play ship and defending that you've got to have animation around that and get them questioning it and so when David gives that pass, and then Rico does really well to to give that um, to get that kick from Will Jordan, and then gives it back to Will Jordan on the inside. That's really the only time in our attack that I saw was that kind of setup pitcher, and then trying to score off that. Whereas if you look at Ireland, the amount of loop plays that Sexton had, or the the, the hard downlines and animation of variety in their attack, um, was consistently questioning the All Blacks and making them think on the run with with, with what was coming at them. So. You've got to give um, a massive pat on the back to Ireland with around the ruthlessness and the, the, the ability to have the, when the contact collisions around the breakdown. And look, Jamison Gibson Park had 109 passes on, on the weekend. And, you know, when you can have those kind of passes in a halfback, giving that ball in and out just like that, it just shows how good your efficiency and your breakdown, your clean out and getting that right entry. Because look, um, like like Jip said, I can't believe we went into half time, um, you know, up considering how many tackles we had in that first half. But um, we just didn't get many opportunities. And Johnny Sexton brought up a really good point in um, his post match interview was around um, in the past, you know, if they would have felt that the All Blacks um, were going ahead with that much ball, they probably would have like dropped their head and been able to be a little bit frustrated. But the word that they used was process and having that process mindset of winning each moment every single time. And look, they did that. They came out in the second half and scored and scored two tries in that 43rd and the 50th minute just after half time. So you talk around the minutes before half time, they missed it with those line outs just before half time, which was probably a big moment. But they came back and scored two great tries in the first 10 minutes of the post um, in that second half, which really um, you know gave them momentum in that, in that second half. I think also their, their, their attack structure was simple. And it was the same sort of, um, you speak about those loop plays. They've almost got four options off that. And I think, you know, because of that simplicity, it was literally, let's win our set piece, let's carry hard around the corner. And then once we switch back and we have the ability to do a loop play or we can send um, our key up, it, it was, you're just doing your job. Like you said, that process, they stayed in that process. They kept doing the same thing over and over again. And they were relentless about it. Like any penalties, you know, so often not we would have seen go for three, but they just kept going to the corner and then adjusted that plan um, as they went through the game. But I think it was just that clarity of those processes and the willingness to keep doing the same thing over and over and believing it will break um, the defence down eventually, which it did, um, was, was impressive. But again, like you say, Bryn, it's not like we can't do that as well. I still think even though that was a call back try for Akira, it was no different. He runs a hard downline. There's a guy out the back, and Reeks looks out the back and then gives that short ball, which is debatable if it came out of the hands forward. But those are the sort of things. If we can just keep throwing those at teams rather than, I suppose, if you look at the kick stats, we we kicked more than Ireland, but we had such little balls. So it showed that every we'd eventually get the ball back, but then we'd give it back to them um, straight away. Yeah, no, I was just going to say more so just how more impressive I was with their attack because look, we know that the All Blacks love to attack and we've talked around the variety that we have in our game when we are going well, we're going forward, we've got, you know, you think of like Richie or Bodie from that kind of pod and then going into that space. What I loved about Ireland, if we look at the week before when they played Japan, they were going out the back to six and hitting those two forwards, going in that downline, going into that space. But even if you look in the first passage of play, the ability that they're all set, like, They've got the three forwards out the back to Sexton, the two balls, uh, the downlines off Sexton, and then gives it up to Bundy key And then they shape. And early on in that, in that first half, they actually got around the All Blacks through that. But 
how that works is because the go forward ball and that quick ball doesn't give the ability for the All Blacks to be set in the defensive line, and so they were a little bit short on the edge. But what I love to see is, that, like you said, Jip, there's the loop plays. They're all clear in their roles, but that structure, that's their main structure that they have. Three forwards, 10 out, 10 out the back, and then the two forwards running off the, the 10 and the hinge, and then go out the back to Bundyaki. So I love that, and what, what what that shows me is that you know they're all clear on what they want. They know exactly where they need to be, and their speed to set and where they are in their attack um, was world class on the weekend. I was, I was thoroughly enjoyed, um, thoroughly enjoyed seeing it. Yeah, but can you Brent, explain the hinge? Sorry, no hinge is just like the the 10 out the back, and it's just like a release pass. So I've just given away our harbour, our harbour, <laughs> our harbour moves there, Ross. Sorry, mate. No, no, that's <laughs> a, he's, he's he's playing games. That's a Crusaders. It's a hinge. Okay, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Um, but the, I think the, the difference there is um, with all the stuff that, you know, bodies in motion, speed to set, we know as players, um, it's always easier when you've got the ball. Like defense is energy set. Sometimes you can utilize defense to get, um, I suppose, that physical dominance and, and you, you, you win those sort of collisions, but you're not on it um, the whole time. Whereas, because Ireland had so much ball, they, they had the ability to stay in their system and speed to set, and they, they didn't have that massive attention to kick the ball away. So I, I think that was a big factor, and, and it was just their game plan. Like They coached extremely well um, and, and I suppose learned from past performances where they'd had success against the All Blacks and, and replicated it again. What worries you, Bryn, about the All Blacks and the way they're going about it? What concerns you the most? Because it, it didn't work. Oh, look, I just think, and we've talked about it probably in the past, just around defensive pressure. You know, let's take, we've talked a lot on the attacking side of the ball and you talk around the breakdown and that's always going to be a big thing when you probably lost a game, not getting that breakdown right in. And no doubt it'll be a continuation this week going to France and they'll want to want to get that right. But um, I think it was just more so, you are making as, as many of those tackles you do make. We made 150 in the first half and 220 or whatever it was for the duration of the game. But I think it's when you do have those opportunities and when we don't have momentum, it's been able to then build pressure and then make points from that. So I think more so in the second half, I probably saw like we did have a few opportunities, but, you know, just forced passes, um, you know, they could they go into touch or um, we didn't get, we weren't able to build phase. And so, yes, you know, the All Blacks will be thinking like they made, they'll be pretty happy with the defense and how much um, percentage they were and they made the tackles. But I think even though you have, if you're under pressure through line speed pressure or making a lot of tackles, the ability is a big test match just to be able to get it right, whether it's on your face by attack, like I talked about with Davey, that was really the only time that I saw that our face play shape was set up for us to be able to question the island defense. So um, I even, you know, he heard Ian Foster talking around the backs taking a bit more accountability around um, working, working hard and, and giving, I guess, a pat on the back for the forwards moving forward because they worked so hard in the, with the tight stuff with defensively and trying to clean out rucks. It's more so on the backs trying to help that out. And so um, whether that's a continuation of people that won't, won't be playing or other guys give an opportunity, but I think we might see a little bit better around our face play shape and trying to get um, the rewards of like what Ireland did and really asking questions and making line breaks and really questioning the, the defences at, at the moment. Bryn, do you think um, that Brad Moore, you've you've worked with him a lot, do you think he'll be looking at those loop plays? Because if you look at the Scotland-South Africa game, they did a loop play and managed to get on the outside of that rush D of the Springboks. Do you think yeah. they'll, we may see some adjustments in that phase play attack and seeing that brought into our game? Yeah, I definitely think so, and you, and you have seen it throughout the duration of the rugby championship, and even in this um, in these um, autumn series and that kind of stuff with them trying to do those loop plays. But it hasn't probably been to the extent of what Ireland do. Like they've got their own kind of set play that they do have that loop. But 
if you look at the kind of the Australians of how they kind of present themselves inside, so you've got that down runner, but you've got the 10 in the, the winger out the back as a rover, and they come really late, so it's really hard for a winger or if you're on that edge to make the decision because you see them quite late. So whether they can actually get that kind of structure, it might be a little bit too late now with how late it is in the season, but I think what can what can drive that is setting really early and being able to see what's in front of you because it's really hard when you've got that rush of the line speed pressure coming at you. If you're not set and you've got pressure coming at you, you're not going to be able to get that ball away. So if they can continue to keep doing what they do with Davey, as the example, I hate to use Davey's one as, a, as an example, but they will all set in that position to be able to down runner out the back and the bridge pass. So I think more so, I think for Brad, he'll be really harping around boys, get set, get set, make sure you get back into position real quick because you can see what's in front of you and you can even use the, use the kick opportunity as well. So um, I know it was probably a little bit hard on the weekend just due to the fact that we we're on defense so much in that first half and the duration of the game. You probably think energy zapping and not being able to get set and be able to see what's in front of you. So I think that'll be a continuation, Jip. They've got to get back, get set and see what's in front of you like I used with that David Harvilly example. Jipper, how come the lightning quick ball came for Ireland and not New Zealand? What does New Zealand need to do better at the breakdown to ensure that that ball comes to TJ and there's more space for the attack structure? Yeah, look, I think we sort of touched on it before. Um, with the Springboks, they got turnovers because we weren't, uh, I suppose, getting into those breakdowns quick enough um, with that rush there. And then, you know, even last week we spoke about um, incorrect entries a lot of the time because when they bring that rush D we're sort of flat footed and guys are overrunning their support lines and if you look at if we use um, I suppose the Springboks Scotland game and the depth they operated their attack at and if you saw most of their tries came on the edge due to two big passes backwards and then their edge is quite flat in attack and they really penetrated um, down that 15 meter channel um, and, and I think maybe taking a few steps back so that we can um, even if they do rush on us, we can actually punch onto the ball, but then also our support players are punching in behind and, and, and making mm. that, I suppose, that sort of dominated clean through the body and not having to slow their foot speed or anything. They can just get rid of those bodies. Um, so I, I think depth is a big thing and timing onto that ball so that we're really punching onto it. And, and, and I suppose the biggest thing, um, and I think Ian Foster's alluded to it, is the decision-making on attack and making sure that we're making the right ones to the pitches we're seeing. And if not, um, what are we going to, what's our bailout? What what do we go to um, to get us still across the advantage line if we can't get on that edge through a bridge pass or a kick or by having good depth and getting around it? What do we go to? What is our, what is our system um, allow us to still get a quick ball? Because it doesn't have to be a 15-meter carry. If you can still get a good carry, cleaners in behind quickly and move bodies mm. then that next rucks really quick and you can be really flat and fast there because they've got to um, take steps back and um, so I, I do think it's that timing biggest thing is that timing onto the ball and the and i suppose the lines of those support players so that they can be vicious in those cleans Bryn, you've played with sam whitelock a lot i mean he's a guy who knows his rugby he's a rugby geek you know being able to pull a team in and make those adjustments on the field. How difficult is that in a test match situation when you're in that kind of position? Because it didn't seem to quite happen, but he's a guy we know who can do that. Yeah, I think, oh, look, Sam's a, an astute rugby player. He's got a great rugby mind. And if you even look in the rules, I think there was a, I can't remember what, what, what scenario it was, but it, there was a rule that was in place and that I remember the commentator saying, oh, that's good rugby now. So I can't remember what it was, but um, he's got a great rugby brain. And so I think more so, um, he would have been frustrated possibly with just how the tempo of the game was going. 
Um, and look, this is no um, no gripe on, on the refs or anything, but I think the flow of the game is important to be able to um, continue to keep having momentum. And I think, look, I know there's a lot of communication with the ref and, um, you know, going to the, 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 the third official or then the touch judges coming in, but it just always seemed like it was really stunting the growth and the, the momentum of the game, which is great for Ireland because you want to slow down the ball and any time... You know, the South Africans did it really, really well on the two test matches they had would slow it down and not be able to get the All Blacks to have the flow that they want. So I think that's probably a thing that Sammy might have been a little bit frustrated with. But at the same time, I know Sam, he would have been given coming in as groups and you could probably see in the game that whether the forwards were together as a tight group or the backs, they would have been talking around um, the solutions of what they needed to do. But sometimes, look, you can always have the solutions and have the um, the thought process and talk about it. But then it's been able to give the actions you know, of being able to do it. So I think it'll be a great learning, not, not only for Sam, but I think for more so for the players of like, what can they do? And I think Chip brings up a really good point around when it's not going our way and what we, we need to have our bailout, how do we do that under pressure? Because um, we've seen it against the, um, the South Africans in the second test match, even in the first test match as well. And then Ireland on the weekend, who probably had a lot of momentum with ball on hand, and we were more so defending a lot of periods of those games. But sometimes you're not going to have that, and you've just got to be able to find a way to, um, to really grind out test matches in. Um, you know, Ireland probably did that a little bit better, and uh, especially in that second half, it's been a little bit more ruthless in the All Blacks. I felt like against Wales, Jipper, the pick and go was that bailout, and it seemed to work. Um, they've obviously got it there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they made great penetration through the middle of rucks and, and getting in behind and, and just tightening things up. And what that also does is it tightens the D up, it would suck defenders in, which then will allow that space on the edge. Um, and if there is a shooter, well, he's actually isolating himself as a defender, and if you can beat him, you normally can, um, you, know, you know, pick off down that fifteen metre channel. So it, it, it's definitely there. Like, like I said at the start of this podcast, I still think, um, you know, we've we've got the, um, I suppose, the tools in the in the tool belt. Um, it's just making sure that those decisions that are that are being made, um, and I think the biggest thing that is catching us off guard is when we're making really good line breaks. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of the turnovers, a lot of the missed cleans were when we made line breaks. And, and if you look at the attacking stats, we made more line breaks than Ireland. But sometimes you get, um, I suppose, detached from your support players. And, and we all know, obviously, James Lowe's tackle on um, Reeks. Uh, and, and then we missed that clean. And, and I think it was Marnie, uh, Peter Omani, that uh, got the turnover there, which was quite a critical time. And, and I think so it's understanding how we can, uh, I suppose, slow ourselves down or, or buy time for our support play to get there. Um, and then obviously the other one we've seen is when we get in that rush D and it, and it shuts us off from the edge and we go back into the traffic. Um, and if we can sort those two out, which I, I know we can, like I've got no concerns over it, um, I think I think we'll be a better better force. But understanding that it's a little bit like Ireland, like I felt like they just had maybe three options and they just kept doing the same thing, you know, like that... That is, um, you know, that is it's smart footy in the sense that you're sapping energy, but you're also not um, cluttering your players' minds, as in their attacking minds. They just know their role and they're just going to nail that. Um, so maybe, you know, stripping things back and decluttering so that, um, you know, just simple targets and, um, you know, building building their game from there. So clarity and perseverance, Bryn, that's the solution here? Because people have always got the knives out for Ian Foster. People always want change in the starting 15, but... In this particular case, maybe clarity and perseverance is actually the solution. Oh, yeah, look, they're a, they're a professional side, and look, they don't lose very often, but I think the biggest thing with the All Blacks, whenever they do lose, um, you, you can imagine those reviews will be really tough and honest, and I think that's a great thing about that environment with how competitive and, I guess, the excellence that they do have. 
Um, there'll be a lot of things that even like Ian Foster and Sam Wallach have talked about in the post-match press conference around what that solution is going to be like and the learnings that they're going to take from their Irish game going into the French game. So um, I don't think there will be a lot of changes. I think there just will be some hard honesty uh, within the group and the players and the, and the management. But, um, you know, that's what's so good about the all-black environment. They'll want to rectify a lot of those things. And if anything, they'll be a little bit more on edge this week knowing um, the things that they wanted to do more so on the attacking side and not being able to um, implement their game plan that they wanted to. But um, there are some positives you can take away. Like you, whenever you can take about 88 or 90%, with the amount of tackles that they did do, um, you know, they'll be happy around that. But I think more so for them, they'll be having that bone um, that bone deep review and getting all the things right. And then I guess this week, it'll be a hell of a training week for them. I can imagine that uh, they'll ramp it right up and you know, they'll be they'll be on edge and being real competitive in training to want to put in a performance to finish off the year. long year. For, you know, this is their 14th test. And so they'll want to um, go out with a bang, but get that right. I think, I think also, like, it's not clarity. I probably use the wrong word. It's more simplicity. And that's what I mean by, you know, not having so much clutter is, you know, maybe it's just early on, it's run hard, clean hard, get around the corner, um, suck defenders in and, and, you know, have that simple um, phase play attack as well. Um, because cause I, I just don't think it's as, um, like, drastic a fix as, as probably it's been made out. Like, it's if, if they get two or three good cleans and they're playing, you know, that two-second ball, we know how dangerous they are, and, and and I think they do have the ability to, even if they get stunted, to, to reset, get to an edge, and then be able to, I think it's those little um, simple uh, fixes that they can make into their game plan. I, I don't think, like, they won't need, I don't think they'll change anything. Like, you're not going to be able to do it in a week. It'll just be more the accuracy and, and I suppose, the, the direct nature and the simplicity of it that, that I think we'll see this weekend. Yeah. With that simplicity, do they need more of a Patrick Tuipilotu, more of an Akira Ioane, guys who get over the advantage line consistently? Because it seems like Artie's probably the only guy right now who you can definitely back to make sure you're getting through that advantage line. Bro. Well, you can, but I think the, probably the biggest thing that they can do is be able to put them in a position to do it, not just like by themselves. So they're not going into a brick wall. And so it's getting the people in place for that face play shape or, or whatever to be able to animate and be able to get to ask, to ask questions defensively. So, you know, you can have an carrier on the edge. You can have, um, you know, Petra Tupelota, for an example. Yes, they can, because obviously it's a good uh, it's a good power game that they do bring. But I think more so for the whole group, it's been able to get it into a position where everybody's in the right position. You look at the island attack, face play attack. The All Blacks, we've seen that in the past, that they can do that. But if you're not win the, winning the physicality and the collision aspect of the game, then it makes everything harder. So it'll probably be a, a flow-on effect from that. If they win that quick ball, get the physicality right, and get into the um, get them going backwards, then you can get the likes of um, you know our face play shape, get that sorted where you see like Davy chucks in that pass, or you get a one on one instead of going into the kind of two or three going backwards, and then being able to have slow ball, and then it's really hard to be able to defend, def- uh, be able to attack from that attack from that. Were you surprised, Jipper, that despite all of the tackles they had made and the amount of work that had to do, that Tupu Vai and Finlay Christie didn't make it onto the field late in the game? Yeah, I think so, because I think we were probably the team that um, started the 23-man game, you know, and, and, and we utilised our bench um, so well. Um, so it, it was surprising, but you can also understand it from an experience point of view, a composure point of view. Uh, the two big men in the middle and, and the skip, Sam, and, and obviously Brody, um, and and then obviously TJ, he's got a lot of experience, and, and Finn's new on the scene, so that, that potentially played 
apart, but I think with, with the amount of work that was um, done, it, w it would have been, I suppose, an opportunity to bring some freshness out there and, and maybe potentially finish on top and win that test match. Mm. What about Ireland? I mean, we've dissected the All Blacks to the nth degree. Um, Ireland, looking at their win against Japan, looking at their win against New Zealand, where do you think they actually sit within the rankings? What's a realistic place in the world, Bryn, for where this Ireland team is right now? Oh, look, it has to be, has to be right up there. You know, I think you, with the performance they had on the weekend and how, and how clinical and relentless and the brutality they brought to the game and the variety that they had on attack that, we, that we've talked about, um, a big thing that um, Sexton and, and, and Farrell said at the post-match uh, post uh, meeting was um, the consistency that they wanted. They want consistency moving forward because, you know, they, they feel that they've peaked in kind of um, this kind of area a couple of years out before the World Cup. But I think the two words that they've used is their consistency and their process, having that mindset to be, be, be process-driven. So they always wanted to continue to get better. And from what I've, what I've loved to see, we talked around in Japan and even on the weekend, it's their attacking ability and being able to put um, teams under pressure through their attacking um, ability. And they've also got the ability to be able to play their game. Where if, they, if they're not going to get that right, um, Jamison Gibson Park on the weekend, that's a really good box kicks. And Conway Conway in um, the previous test match against um, Japan was able to get up for the ball and, and um, get that ball back. So the ability they have to be able to play the kicking game if they need it. You know, Jamison Gibson Park did a great 50-22 um, that really... Uh, brought that momentum back for Ireland and it was a really great kick to, to turn it around. So they have that ability to be able to kick, um, but what I've really enjoyed is their attacking ability that they've had and being able to put teams under pressure. So they'll continue to um, to tinker with that and how can they go, how can they evolve there, how can they continue to keep better. But um, from what I've seen in the last two weeks, especially against the All Blacks and how they attacked against Japan, um, they have to be right up there. But I think for them, the great mindset that they have is they want to be able to continue to keep getting better for that 2020, uh, 2023 World Cup, which is you know a couple of years away. Three blokes, you've mentioned a lot about Jameson Gibson Park, who obviously played really well, who you know, left New Zealand as basically the backup to TJ Pedernata at the, the Hurricanes. James Lowe, who was probably in the All Blacks discussions, but Steve Hansen never picked him up. I suppose there's a lot of wingers around. And then Bundy Arke, who I don't think was ever really in the All Black discussion frame, but was always a quality player. Um, Chipper, when you look at these three guys, <laughs> Are they the three that got away? I mean, could they be in the All Blacks right now if they were playing to this quality down here? Well, look, I think they're playing at world-class quality, but I think it's always a hard thing to to judge because at the time, um, you know, I think um, Bundy left around when Sonny was there um, at the Chiefs. Um, you know, James Lowe was definitely in the, in the mix in terms of uh, people were talking about him being a great option and, and what he was doing at the Chiefs and, and Gemma obviously spent some time at the Blues and then and then some time at the Canes. But what you what you got to understand is um, through experience you get better and better. And what we're, the versions we're seeing of um, these three men now are not the versions that left our shores. Uh, they've learned a hell of a lot. They've applied their trade over there, and they've got a style to their game that really suits the way um, I suppose Ireland play and their club teams play. Mm. I really like James Lowe. Um, dealing with James Lowe when he was at the Chiefs, one of those just honest, straight up and down blokes. And watching that post-match interview, Bryn, these guys are in such an interesting position, you know, being so obviously Kiwi, but so proud of, of what they're doing at another nation. And when we look at the rules that are changing, um, 
the changing face of world rugby is really interesting. You know, when you see people like the Tuilangis or, you know, some in England, some in Samoa, Kiwi players in Ireland, like it's becoming such a gray area as to what a person is and isn't when it comes to their nationality. But, you know, it's actually adds to the, the texture and the storyline and the, the folklore, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, it does. And I think, you know, how much of a special moment would have that been for those three guys? Um, you know, James Lowe, um, Jameson Kipsapaki and, and Bundy, you know, you talk around guys that are from New Zealand and um, played played New Zealand rugby, you know, growing up through the ranks and then being able to play at the professional level. And then I think Jip brings up a really good point around they've grown uh, their game since being away and they've, you know, they've been at a, at a different style and playing a different way. And so um, it's been a great opportunity for them to be able to grow and be able to become better players because I think you are right, Jip. Um, when they did leave it, they were great rugby players, but I think it just shows how the Northern Hemisphere and where that rugby's got to and how they're developing their games and how much better they've gotten. For James Lowe, look, I thought he was outstanding on the weekend, more so for his defensive side. Um, I think, you know, before when he was first selected for Ireland, um, was under a bit of flack for his defensive ability and um, making some difficult reads, not making good reads and not sticking his tackle. But, you know, there were two big tackles that I thought um, were massive. You know, you look at early on in the game, Bowden Barrett puts that crossfield kick for Will Jordan and James Lowe ended up coming, coming up to make the tackle on Will and then there's obviously a knock-on from that, which we don't score from. And then... I think you talked around a jip when um, David goes through and he passes that ball. Was it, I think it was at Akira, Akira, one of the uh, one of the Yuani boys, and he makes that tackle for then Omani to be able to get over the ball. So you you look at a guy that um, you know probably when he first played played for Ireland um, was great with the attacking ability that we've seen in New Zealand, but he's gone away and really worked on those defensive um, things that he needed to work on. And you know there's some great defensive efforts that he did on the weekend and the passion you could see the passion how much it meant to him. Um, when the big fellow Omani gets that ball and there's a great picture of him, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs. But again, it just comes back to, you know, he would have loved to have played the New Zealand team with a lot of guys that you would he would have played with. And to get a result in Ireland, um, you know, not only for, for James, but, you know, for for Jamison and Bundy um, to get that result against the All Blacks, I can imagine it'll be one of their greatest um, days in their career, definitely. After that game, a lot of energy down. You're going into a test match against France, which, you know, people had thought might be the big test match of this series. Do the All Blacks look to freshen up quite a lot this weekend? Look, Jibber? I think I think they've got um, a guy that's obviously arrived that brings so much energy and is probably the perfect guy to have in the tour party right now and, and Aaron Smith. And I think he'll bring a lot of energy um, and excitement to the week. I also think um, potentially, you know, after the the game and, and how brutal it was and the massive effort Dalton put in, you know, the the skipper Sam Kane could potentially come back into the reckoning. And I don't think there'll be wholesale changes, but I think a couple of guys like that with massive experience, uh, massive amounts of respect in the group and a, and a follow me style um, and, and players that just compete on every play um, for the whole 80 minutes could be could be two guys that could be really um, uh, utilized well and it's not it's not um, on the basis of last week's performance like I said I think Dalton was probably best on best on ground for the All Blacks but it could just be the freshness they need to make sure that they you know finish this tour the way they they want to and and, and make a statement of their own we had Anton Leonard Brown at 12 um, with Rico Ioane at 13. Do we now just see Havili slot in at 12 or do we see Quinn Tupaya come in into that uh, mix, Brent? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, oh, they can go either way, but I think they will go with David just for more of so that experience. And we're not too sure with having, what's happening with Bodie if he might not be there. And I think, you know, the fact that Richie will start at 10, probably will start at 10 if that's the case. Having Davey and him working together, look, they've got a combination there. They've played with the Crusaders for a long period of time, not just at 12, but when he was at 15. And their kind of um, combination of cohesion that they have together, I think, will be will be pretty big. Um, and then, obviously, Rico, um, again, I think, will slot in at 13 and stay there at 13. But, um, you know, for those guys, it's really important. We talked around it, the physicality and collision. If you don't win that and you're not getting over the advantage line, it doesn't matter who you are. You can't you can't play that game. You can't play what you want. You can't manipulate the, the, the defense as much as you want. So... Um, I see that probably those are the two guys that um, that I'll see that'll slot into 12 but with Davey. And then, you know, that might bring Quintapaya onto the bench, possibly, who knows. But, um, you know, I definitely think um, Dave will be at 12 with Richie at 10 if Bodie's um, no good to go this week. A few, same, Jepper. Yeah, look, let's not lose faith in our lads. You know, like, they're, they're real quality players. We don't need to um, hit the panic button, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think that experience and... and um, I suppose the season, yeah, I, I think David admit he's probably not in the form he was um, in that June series, but he still was the guy that delivered that miracle ball uh, to free up Will Jordan um, the, the other the other uh, day as well. So, look, I, I don't think we'll see too many changes. I just think um, being calm and composed in selections during the week and going into this French test with that mindset attitude will, will set them up for success. The Blackburns have also got another test against France. They went down 38-13. to This series just continues to get tougher for them as they go on, just against high-quality outfits, and they're just being outplayed, Bryn. Um, what did you take out of that game? Yeah, it was, a, it was tough, I think, because more so for the, the same problems that, we, that we've talked about. Um, you know, the line-out more, you know, the French were... We're again outstanding in that department and we talked about it last week that they were probably going to go there knowing um, the success that the English woman had in the previous games and what I did like it was the variety you know the, the halfbacks made really good decisions around the line out malls and they would set up for two tries you know the first one goes down that blind side um, because they are um, I know our reserve number 20 ends up going in and takes that opportunity just through how dominant that more was and then um, they end up scoring another set piece drive through a more and then there's also another one where the halfback goes to the to the, um, to the open side and ends up scoring there so yeah we did talk around Jip talked around there are solutions possibly that you can try to try and nullify um, our set piece defense at the moment but I think they might just have to go away post this tour and start getting some really good plans and place some ideas of how they're going to try and, and get that a lot better because I think it has been the Achilles heel 
of the Black Ferns, unfortunately, for this um, campaign. But then also, I think also in that first half, you know, the second half, the the French really dominated set piece wise. But the first half, um, their attacking ability was 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 great. I think their second one of their tries uh, was in the 14th minute. Bennett, the the fullback, scores that try. And I think it was a poor kick. Um, you know, Jeppy, you alluded to um, previously with the Black Ferns that the kicking game hasn't got got what they've wanted out of, it. and so. It was a poor kick, and then the ability to be able to have the offload game and really uh, play on top of them was great to see. And then the crossfield kick um, to be able to really finish off that try um, was great to see some attacking flair and prowess from the French that, that we'd love to see both in the men's and in the women's. So um, for the French, I was really impressed. You know, the attacking ability that they had in the first half and be able to score tries through that. And then in the second half, just really dominating when it came to the malls and being able to take the good op- options from that driving mall uh, from their halfbacks was, um, it was, pretty, was, pretty, um, was pretty good to see. James? Well, I, I think probably the coach summed it up pretty well. He's just said we're not battle-hardened yet, and that's probably a fair reflection um, of, of where they're at in terms of their preparation and, and their lead into this. Is, hasn't probably set them up um, as best as they'd like, but you've got to work with the situations you've got, and they certainly won't be as an excuse. But the one thing they will get out of the tour is a real clear picture of um, the areas they need to work on and make shifts in so that they can be a force um, at home in, in the World Cup next year. That is a positive. That's a silver lining. You are very much the optimist. Uh, were there anything, was there anything else that they improved on, Jipper, that you saw? Anything that, that came out of the England games? The scoreline was obviously a little bit smaller, but were there parts of their game that have improved? Look, I think like in patches, they've sh- shown quite a um, good attack structure and, and they've held onto the ball and they've put them under pressure. I suppose they just haven't been able to finish it off, um, you know, and, and, and they've got the ability to do the tight work as well. So I think in patches, um, what we're talking about is, is areas they want to improve on. But the the thing is, is they show in, in, in moments um, that they can do it. And um, I suppose it's just getting that consistency and, and I suppose the, the um a lot of that will go into the S and C plans, I'd say, and making sure that they're physically ready for, um, you know, the the test match level of um, intensity that, that England and, and France have brought to them. Is it noticeable, Bryn, the fitness is quite different um, between these teams because they do seem very fresh towards the end of the game, both the English and the French. Well, I, just, I think it just comes back to the the preparation side of it, and you know, the likes that they get to play, you know. 10 to 12 test matches a year, you know, the French and the English. So you talk around battle hard and it's being able to play against the high quality opposition week in, week out to be able to, you know, rectify a few things or improve your game. And, you know, I guess playing those kind of really intensity, uh, massive intensity when it comes to playing test matches. And so we're just, we're just missing that. You know, we haven't been able to play against that kind of caliber of players for, for, for a couple of years now. And yes, we've been fortunate enough to play the Wallaroos and we've probably won those convincingly. But I think just the level that we need to, get up to is play those is play those kind of nations and be able to play at that level but um what they will do from that they have gone over there and you know we have got a world cup next year that um that's the big goal and i guess for them it's a real eye-opener to see whether they need to improve in you know, some of the things we've talked around set piece wise and you know even probably patches in their attack that they've had the ball but not been able to get the points that they want so um yeah there's no there's going to be no worries around this i think more so it's just going to be can they make the learnings in the quick and in the short amount of time that they're going to have, because I think we do have a few test matches next year. Um, but I think every test match that we do have, it's going to be bloody important for us to be able to try and learn and get the things that we need to, knowing that um, we're just not as experienced having the amount of test matches that the other um, Six Nation um, countries have had. 
When you looked at the Springboks two years out from the 2019 Men's World Cup, they were an absolute shambles and Rossi came in and sorted them out and the next thing you know, they've won a World Cup. It, it looks unlikely this far out, but is it realistic that this could be turned around, Jipper? Oh, I, I think so. Because they're not major fixes. Like we're, we're talking with all D, um, some kick strategy stuff. Like I said, like some of their attack... Um, phase play stuff is is actually top notch um and, and and i suppose if they can as i said those s and c is, is the ability to live at that intensity for 80 minutes i, I think like that they, they are they're not um they're not going to have to reinvent the wheel is probably what i'm trying to say um so that, they'll have a real clear idea how their camps need to run i, I think the one positive is they'll have a real um clear picture of what next season looks like in terms of their prep and where they need to get to which is you know yeah it's it's tough at the moment they certainly won't be enjoying these um heavy losses but uh, there, there has to be some good coming to be a big part of it uh, let's move on to the french men french men that is uh went up against georgia as a preparation for playing the all blacks 41 15 uh did you see much of it Bryn, and how does that bode ahead of the test against the All Blacks? Oh, look, I think um, patchy would probably be the best way to describe it. And, um, you know, knowing that the All Blacks are probably next week and um, wanted to implement a few things going towards that test match. But, look, I just don't think you can take too much from it. Yes, they were able to implement um, a few, a lot of things, but I think it was good for the for the, for the Georgians to be able to, you know, put them under that amount of pressure. So I think more so it's be able to good, it'll be good for them to, to take the learnings from, from that test match and how they played. But, I think more so like the next week when they do get to play, they know that level is going to go up and I think they're almost going to be ready for what's going to come and seeing the, um, how successful the Irish were against the All Blacks, uh, I know the French will definitely be looking forward for this uh, opportunity because um, look, they've probably seen this one on the calendar knowing um, that the All Blacks are going to be the last test match of the year and then um, any time the French play the, um, the All Blacks, it's always in a, a, um, a good encounter. They used to be the bogey team, didn't they? The Irish are probably the bogey team now. But when we look at what England have got against Wales, Jipper, goodness me, England really are, I mean, sorry, the Wallabies. England really are the Wallabies bogey team. Eight wins in a row, 32-15 on the weekend. Uh, how would Dave Rennie be feeling after that? Oh, look, I think they're fighting. Um, they've got a lot of injuries and, and they are gritting their teeth. And that 32-15 certainly does not. Uh, I suppose, reflect how that game played out. Um, there was a late try where uh, the Wallabies were trying um, things on, but for the amount of opportunities England had, um, and, and I suppose similar to the All Blacks, the ability the Wallabies had to hold them out um, and stay in that game for you know 70-odd minutes, 72 minutes, um, massive for, for, I suppose, their culture, like losing, but there's, you know, their physical... Um, prowess around their counter rucks, um, their own breakdowns. Um, the one thing that I, I think is potentially concerning is that they've gone away from their possession territory game and they're kicking a lot away. And, and, and I think if you remember, they were holding on to the ball, building a lot of phases that are real clear and, and not doing 50-50s. They're quite ruthless and disciplined in their attack structure. Mm. I think they've just got a little bit sloppy in terms of their skill set and, and probably got excited with um, how well they're doing back home and probably haven't, um, you know, cherished that ball as much as they should have um, on this tour. And, and that's what's put them in um, 
I suppose the two back-to-back losses that we've seen, um, you know, last week and this mm. week. Yeah, I think also Ross on that as well. I think you know it's, it's all discipline as well. That's really that's really hurting them. Look, I know there's two yellow cards and. You know, it's unfortunate you're always going to get yellow. You know, it seems at the moment there's always going to be a yellow card. Um, you know, if you put yourself in that position, but you know, any time you're giving away 18 penalties and having two yellow cards um, against a team like that, um, especially with injuries, or oh, not injuries, oh, yeah, I guess the injuries and players that haven't gone over on on the tour with like Quade Cooper and Kirby, um, it just makes it a lot harder. So I think you've brought a fight. It's a really good word, Jip, that you that you've used because I think they are fighting and and they are trying. Obviously, there um there's some players that they needed that were so successful for them in the rugby championship with Quade Cooper, especially Karevi. Karevi's a massive, a massive loss for them, I find. But, um, yeah, any time you have that kind of ill-discipline of giving away 18 penalties and having two yellow, two yellow cards um, with, with with the stuff that Jip said, um, it's just making it a lot a lot harder. And they've probably just lost that uh, kind of confidence that they had in that rugby championship just due to the fact of those things. England mixed things up a little bit, Jipper. Manu Tuilangi on the wing, although he wasn't there all the time. What did you make of the way that they mixed things up in their back line against Australia? Yeah, I tell you what, I enjoyed the battle between um, him and uh, Hunter Paisami. There was some big body contact going in that midfield. Um, look, he he runs with um, direct intent and and makes uh, dent in the defence. But I, I thought the Wallabies handled him well. But it's more so what um, he managed to create after that. So he sucks in a lot of defenders and um, put them under pressure. And actually, uh, you know, Bryn mentioned those eighteen penalties. A lot of the time was around the breakdowns or uh, being caught offside after he had carried the ball directly in the midfield. So he's a serious weapon. Um, He's got no regard for his body, especially when he was coming off some of those goal line dropouts. Um, But it's entertaining to watch and and a serious weapon. Um, But I don't know if the the right wing is his position. I think he probably showed that um, he could could really mix it up um, outside Farrell and, and Marcus Smith at 13, I believe. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. After the game, Eddie Jones started talking about the jerseys on the back, uh, the numbers on the back of the rugby jerseys. You know, generally we got one through 23, and he was talking about the way that he, you know, selected Manu Tuilangi at 14, but really played a lot of the game in the midfield. And you know, once you get past the set piece, numbers on the jerseys don't matter so much. It's very rare that 12 passes to 13 passes to 14, etc., throughout the game. What would you guys make of the concept of throwing those numbers out the window going NBA style where you pick your own number and have your name on the back of the shirt? Bryn? <laughs> oh, look, I think the purists would probably uh, probably wouldn't like that, to be honest. I think it, um, yeah, I think it, you've got a pretty good understanding of who's the sense and who's not when you're not, when you're not um, so, so used to the player's name. But, um, oh, no, look, I think Eddie is... Always someone that uh, thinks outside the box. It's not not controversy, but you know that's very opinionated in what he thinks. So, um, look, it'll be, yeah. I tell you what, if I see the day, it'll be, um, yeah, be one who hope to get my number out there that I want on the back of my jersey. <laughs> what would that be? Ah, uh, seventy nine, mate. It'd be seventy nine. But that's it, you know. Well, I'd look like an idiot. I'd look like an idiot having seventy nine on the back of my jersey, you know. So. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Could be that that that, that tens competition um, that we talked about, um, Ross. Something like that, possibly. Get in a kind of yeah. festival feel and letting the boys um, choose their own numbers. But international, oh, look, I'm I'm a young guy, but I'm still a bit of a purist and like seeing that uh, number nine or number thirteen or number fifteen flowing around. You're a purist, Jipper. You wouldn't be wearing anything in number two, would you? That would be a it'd be a hard no for me. Um, I think you know, like that's what you grow up. You're wanting to wear. Uh, the number that you desire on the back and i think if you start picking your own um i don't know 
It's not for me, Ross, put it that way. <laughs> it could be good marketing. You could sell more jerseys because, you know, if you can turn up and buy, let's say, Smith number nine or Smith number 72 or whatever he chooses, you know, you do build up the individual stars. And when you look at sports like the American sports or football, for instance, and you see the numbers and the names and the way that that can be sold and be so powerful, you know, the number 23 is a number but it's Michael Jordan's number and everyone knows it. You know what I mean? That It's such a strong marketing tool. I think also in terms of um, how they retire numbers and, and things like that, you get opportunities to acknowledge legends of the game in that way. Um, but I, I, yeah, look, I haven't put a lot of thought into it till now, um, but I, I personally wouldn't be in a hurry to see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, let's rush through these other games. Um, Pimpy, Stuart Hogg both got doubles. Springboks too much in the end for Scotland. Bryn, you surprised by the way that played out? Oh, not, 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 not a lot, to be honest. I think the biggest things that I enjoyed about um, seeing from South Africa was probably the growth there I wanted to see in the rugby championship, especially on the edge around their attacking ability and Jip alluded it to earlier, a little bit earlier in the podcast, but the ability from them to go to width and then Delande, especially in both those tries to Malpipi, uh, was able to stay really square. One of them actually goes square and gives it to Khaleesi and then gives it away to Malpipi down the blind side, down the wing, and then they end up scoring. And then the second try is Delande goes through, staying square, gets through, um, gets through with his speed, and then puts it away. Um, a great ball to Montpipi as well. So that's what I really enjoyed seeing in, in, that, in that kind of um, encounter for the Springboks because um, against the All Blacks, when they did try to play, um, they weren't running square down the line and fixing those players. So it was nice to see, uh, nice to see that happen. And then the Scots as well. Um, you know, they Stuart Hogg scores nice uh, two good tries, and I guess the one that I really enjoyed was the was, was the one where they scored in right close to the line off the line out more. Um, that that delivery from Price. Don't underestimate how long and how good that pass is to be able to get um, get enough width to be able to get it to the 12 and then gives it out the back to the 10 and has a little bit of animation um, around that and to then give the ball away to Hogg to then score that try. Um, that was a, a really nice play that I saw. And then I think, to be honest, the um, the 67th and the 70th minute, you know, kicks off and marks again, coming off the bench and making massive plays with turnovers to really, um, I guess, ice that game and to be able to um, to win the game. And so, um, you know, kicks off and marks, you're, you're a big man of him, Jip. You know, we need to see him play more minutes. But I think, you know, in those kind of games when he is playing at the back end, um, he does the kits off and marks through this time and time again in big moments in the back end of test matches and making big plays around massive steals. And then, you know, they end up going um, from 21-15 to 27-15 due to those two penalties that laid in the piece. Man, I think it is well. Um, the Scots will be a little bit disappointed because they were up for this game. They, they, they came with the right intent, but they had a high turnover count and they had a high penalty count. And it just relieves so much pressure for the Springboks. And um, you, you mentioned Marks. Like, he's just such a big impact, man. Like I think they brought him on, I think it was just before the break, that they changed the whole front row. But it's quite a power play for them now. Like the, If you're a front row and you know you've just got to empty the tank for 40, um, you, can, you can do a lot more, um, I, I believe, and, and you can sort of um, impose yourself on the game. Because I thought the starters were actually... Um, handy as well and, and the presence they brought in the first 39 minutes so it's a it's a true uh, weapon of theirs having those boys come off off the bench I know they probably want to be starting and I probably look I, I admit I want to see more of Mark's playing because um, he's just great to watch from my point of view but um, it, it's working for the Springboks and I like that you mentioned the edge play 
Glendy goes undercover. I don't think he gets enough reps, like mm. in terms of if you're picking World 15s or anything like that. Like, he is, he's a solid customer. And you talk about line speed pressure. Whenever there's that line speed pressure, man, he just goes in on an angle and runs it hard. And then he has the ability out on the edge to stay square, split defences, and set up his outsides to score tries. And defensively, he brings a lot of um, presence as well. And I think he's had a huge year um, and, and been a big reason as to why the Springboks will remain number one after a year out of footy. Um, as guys like him and the performance uh, and growth, I suppose, of their individual game. And, and I suppose, lastly, the biggest thing of growth I've started to notice with the Springboks is Sia Khaleesi on the edge. Uh, some of his skill set, um, his ability to hold the ball up, suck defenders in. Like, Mpibi had like a metre to work with with that first try. And it was all for the ability that, um, you know, Sia had that ball in his hands, two hands, holding it, holding it, holding it. And it just had to, they had to bite on him. Otherwise, he was going to keep going. And then he offloads perfectly. So I, I think there's a lot of their players that are just performing out of their skin um, and doing extremely well on the end of your tour. Fiji also looked pretty impressive, despite the fact that they were down two men at some stage and pushed Wales, maybe not the strongest Welsh team, but pushed Wales pretty hard all the way to the end. I think it was at 38-23, the final score. Fiji mm. this year have been comers. They've looked really good against some high-quality teams. Maybe it would be justified to get them a little bit more game time against top-tier test nations, Brent. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, it just comes back to how competitive they have been. You know, they pushed the All Blacks in that test match, um, you know, where to really um, dig in really hard. And then, you know, for the second test match, we actually end up being, doing a little bit better. But I think for me, the fact that they had that red card, which, you know, you can understand how it was a red card, which is unfortunate. The fact it was so low to the ground, but um, like we've talked about a lot, um, you can't be able to um, go anywhere near the head. And, you know, I was probably given that red card due what was given that red card, sorry, to that. And then having two yellow cards was was tough for them as well. But um, I guess the big turning moment in that match was um, how fast um, Zamet is, Rui Zamet is, because you know it was later, you know, it was the seventy third minute of the game, and the game was really in the balance. And you know they went down that edge, and he puts that puts that kick in, and you know Benny Volavola I thought had it had it covered, and then you know he ends up showing his speed and puts that ball down, which pretty much, if anything, um, you know got them winning over the winning that game, and then uh, makes it a little bit more comfortable, but. Um, look, the Fijians, um, the attacking ability, they have, even the first trial that they had, um, the ability around their face play shape, and being able to hit that hard line into that space to score that first try um, was great, was a great start for them. But I think that the, the biggest thing for the Fijians, and if they can keep and improve this for the 2023 World Cup, is their set piece, set piece and their line-out more defence. Um, you know, Wales scored two tries off that, and so I think in big moments and in big test matches, the ability to be able to not have line-out more drives or scrum penalties for, for points it's going to be massive for, for Fiji and rugby moving forward. And I know Jason Ryan has been in and around that and will continue to keep growing that. But I think if they want to contest and be able to win those kind of games and big test matches, uh, their set piece, especially line out more in their scrum and being able to win moments in that and not being able to give points away will be big for them moving forward. Quickly through the brave blossoms. Uh, maybe blossoming not quite as much at the moment after you know some solid performances earlier in the year. Uh, Portugal. 38-25. Should we read anything into this, Chipper? Oh, look, I think it just shows, you know, like you can't just turn up, I think, in, in test matches and, and teams that I suppose aren't expected to perform um, use that as firepower to get themselves up. And they certainly fronted 
um, on, on this occasion. But I don't think it's anything um, that needs to be panicked about. It's, it's you know coming to the end of a long season um, for the Japanese team and, and what they've had to do in their clubs, but also they had quite a long camp. I think there was a month-long camp for playing the Wallabies. So they do get through their work. Um, they, they certainly don't uh, hold back on the hours they put into their game. So uh, maybe a few of their bodies are just starting to tire and, and, and looking forward to an off-season. Argentina, Bryn, 37-16 over Italy. There must just be relief in the camp, you know, after what's been a pretty torrid year, just to pick up a win like that. Even if it's against an Italy team that's not the best in the world, it must just feel nice for them, something for them to work from. Oh, absolutely. We've talked around, um, you know, the preparation side and how much of a tough season it was for the rugby championship and, any, and even this India tour as well. But yeah, look, it doesn't matter who it's against. And again, the win on tour and, you know, getting that winning feeling again would be really important for that group, not for just this year, but, you know, moving forward for what's to come in the next year. So I think the biggest thing for them is be able to have a plan in place and the preparation side of having a, a sustainable like pre-season where they can come in together, whether they can or not, I'm not too sure, but have plans in place for when they do come back next year for the rugby championship. They can give the better performances like they did last year where they beat the All Blacks and um, were actually really um, uh, competitive in a lot of those games. So, um, yeah, but look, any time we can get a win, uh, they'll take it and no doubt they would have had, um, you know, possibly a few lemonades after their game just to have a bit of relief and a bit of, um, bit of camaraderie and a good feeling after, you know, winning a test match for, for a long, long time. Okay, prediction time. Uh, I can't remember actually how the boys went last week. Did you guys go all right last week in your predictions? No, nah, I picked the Wallabies. Uh, yeah, I pick? No, I picked England. I think I went all right, actually. Yeah, and I, I, well. I, obviously, I obviously picked the All Blacks as well, so it wasn't a great <laughs> <laughs> You kind of have to pick yeah, the All Yeah, I don't have, I don't have enough mean. confidence to, to pick Ireland, so no. Nah, I'm pretty sure Bryn chose the Scots again. Bryn got the Scots again, so I don't think he had a nah, great you, weekend, Bryn. Nah, you wanted me. You wanted me to. Did I pick Scotland? Did I? I picked you did, mate. I'm sure I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. Nah, I'm still living off that week one multi. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Hey, let's start with Black Ferns versus France then. Uh, any chance of a turnaround here? Either of you, France? Um, I don't think so. Um, but I, I would I would hope to see a shift and in, in, I suppose potentially tightening the deficit. Okay, uh, All Blacks versus France. What are the chances here? Um, All Blacks win? Bounce back? Bryn? Yeah. Yeah. Going to go the All Blacks, and I, I expect their breakdown um, and the efficiency, and whether Aaron Smith comes back in for that quick ball, um, if he does come back, or even who who is at halfback, I reckon we're going to get a little bit more quick ball and ask a lot more questions on the attack side of the ball. They like to stay mm. connected and, and really work together as, 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 a, as a line across. So I think it's going to pose opportunities for us to, um, you know, be at our best um, because if we're given that time and space, we know what we can do. Styles make fights. Uh, England versus the Springboks, probably the game of the weekend, maybe. Which way are you going, Bryn? I'm going to go South Africa. Go South Africa. I think they're set piece. I think they'll try and dominate the English set piece, which I think is going to be a great encounter because, look, I think you got Mario Toji. Uh, Courtney Laws as well. So uh, look, there's a lot of guys that um that go well in the set piece department for England. So I think that's going to be the winner of the game. Whoever wins that gets that set piece parity at scrum time and line out. Yeah, look, I think Springboks uh, 
big big part of it is that front row substitution. Like these test matches are so physically demanding, um, and and that Wallabies English test was brutal, just as much as that Springboks um, Scottish test, and and this will be no different. So that firepower off the bench, and being able to spread that load um, through more players is is a massive massive thing for them. Okay, Wales Wallabies, where are we going, Brent? I'm going to go Wallabies to get their first one. Yep, they're their first one. It'll be a tight tussle, though. I'm sticking with my boys, the Wallabies, mate. <laughs> that assistant coaching gig with Dave is still in the offing. You, you <laughs> yeah. keep going there, don't you? I'm not, I'm not jumping <laughs> ship, mate. I, I, think, I, I reckon they're just building nicely. Um, but they, they do have some injuries. Like, they had a guy who debuted that, um, left Aussie, you know, six years ago at Tighthead Prop um, Norris. So, um, you know, they they are the cattle are running dry. They're at the end of their season. Uh, Michael Hooper limped off as well, but uh, I think they'll get up for it. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Ireland, Argentina, straightforward. Yep. You'd think so, um, but you never know. I know the Argies have had um, you know a tough run, but it'll be. Talk about styles and fights, you know, 51 kicks Argentina Argentina put in against Italy. Um, so it's not going to be uh, what the Irish saw um, against the All Blacks. So they'll have to just make sure, I suppose, their counter-attack game is on point because they, they won't have the territory dominance that they saw last weekend. I think it's going to be important as well, just for the fact you talk around consistently that Sexton and Farrah have talked about. You would think after the highs of beating the All Blacks, you know, it's now it's time to be able to, Keep playing well, get the consistency, and keep um, keep winning these kind of test matches that they, that they need to. That's the kind of uh, mindset that they have. So um, yeah, it'll be a good test for them. They will see what they need. Okay, Scotland, Japan. Uh, it seems like Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Scotland, we'll Scotland. are a good side, man. They are. Yeah. they're playing some good footy. Um, it was just their discipline probably let them down on the weekend. Fiji, Georgia. This is a tricky one. BG for you guys, or can Georgia mount an upset here? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Fiji, but I just would not be surprised. It's one of these kind of games that you'd think Fiji should win after their performance on the weekend. Um, that they could just, you know, have that kind of tight tussle in Georgia, make it really tough in it. You know, it could be a couple points in it, but um, no, I'm, I'm gonna go Fiji. But I think it's gonna be a quite a uh, quite a tight game. Yeah, look, I'll go Fiji as well, but they need to. Because um, they're bringing a lot of that physical dominance early in a test match, and we saw with the cards and, and um, I suppose the the wanting to have that um, I suppose that aggression presence, aggressive presence. It's just controlling that, you know, and and making sure that they they're doing it legally. Because when they do it legally, it's just as effective, if not more. Um, so I, I think that'll be the big factor. As long as they can keep their discipline in check, they should win that game convincingly. Well, he's hoping we have a better weekend this weekend for New Zealand sports fans. Obviously, it was a bit tough watching the cricket and losing that final to Australia. The All Blacks didn't go great, and neither did the Black Ferns. Let's hope this weekend the All Blacks and the Black Ferns could put up a bigger performance and give us all something to smile about. Bryn Hall down in Christchurch, James Parsons in Auckland. Thank you, guys. I'm Ross Carl. That was another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Catch you next week. Matewa. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 